puddles. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Plate Discipline Podcast, now known as the Kyle Schwarber Fan Club Podcast. My name is Joey. I'm joined with my lovely co-hosts, Tim and Josh. How are we doing today, gentlemen? Pretty solid. Uh, so it was an interesting week. Tim's got finals this week, right, Tim? Uh, I got finals. This is my last week of classes. Um, technically, finals week is next week, um, but because not all of the finals are taken during finals week, I have finals both this week and next. So Sounds like a U-shaped problem, Paisan. It is a U-shaped problem. Josh, how about yourself? We got Wiffle Ball Club this, this Friday. UB Wiffle Ball Club. Yeah, first meeting. First meeting of the UB Wiffle Ball Club. Took a lot of work for, to get here. All of the work was from Josh, and none of it was from me, but we got here, baby. I love it. Uh, so this week in the MLB, we talked about some storylines last week, and, and we'll, we'll get – We'll get to the rest of the MLB, but Angel Hernandez fucking stinks. I mean, he's, if you don't know who Angel Hernandez is, he's an MLB umpire. Um, I think he's considered the worst in the major leagues, right? Is, by, is, by accuracy, definitely I'm up sure. Um, I'm going to have to check now. Yeah, could somebody get the? But like, he's just known as the worst umpire. He's he he is objectively a bad umpire. But like, is he the worst? It's not known for sure. Um, and he had a really bad game over the weekend on Sunday night, right? He had a brutal yeah, game uh, on Sunday night. Phillies Brewers. It was a one nothing game. The Brewers won. Yeah, it was a national, a national uh, audience got to see Angel Angel Hernandez. I imagine was calling balls and strikes. Uh, yes, he was. As you as you could see, I wasn't paying attention to the game. For I, for context to this entire situation, um, back in 2017, Hernandez actually tried to sue the MLB yep. because he has not officiated in a World Series game since 2005. And he tried um, to claim that it was due to racism. He was try he tried to claim that it was due to race discrimination, and this is the official MLB statement that they released on the matter. Um, they said that Hernandez, and I quote, this is word for word, has not demonstrated the leadership ability and situation management skills in critical high pressure roles on a consistent basis. Um, so it's essentially saying the MLB is like, yeah, Hernandez stinks. Yeah. stinks. Because he does. He's awful. Yeah, I mean, so if you want the specifics on him. Uh, I mean, everyone likes to make fun of him because, he, yes, he is a bad umpire. Josh, there by the way, you're yeah. if, if you're about to use uh, the umpire stats, not all of our listeners are going to know what the statistics are. So before you tell us what Hernandez's numbers are, just give us a quick explanation. Yeah, so I have a scorecard from last game, but just in general as an umpire from, I believe, that game all the way through – the beginning of 2020, maybe uh, I have the number of games, the games called or, okay. So I'm going to have to put it back now, but um, it has the number of games called the number of pitches that uh, he was the home plate umpire for, and it shows how many he got wrong along with the percentage uh, umpire scorecard is a very good resource for, uh, looking at stuff like this. Uh, so you, sorry, I'm trying to get the stats up while I'm talking. 
Uh, but he is not accurate at all. You're going to have a certain number of pitches called and then a certain number wrong. His accuracy yeah. this season from four games is fine, but it's four games. It's pretty low, a lot lower than it should be for an umpire. But uh, sorry, it's taking me try. It's taking me what's, a long time. To what's get fucking? There. What's really sad about all this, by the way, right? Is the fact that there are good there are good officials in every sport, right? Like the only sport that has a, a good official that people know by name is the NHL with Wes McCauley. And the only reason why people know him by name is because he wears a mic a lot and he's pretty funny. So you get to listen to him talk to like talk to people during the game. Right. But there are really good umpires in the MLB and they nobody knows their names. Right. Those guys getting those. It is a good for them. It's a good thing. Right. But like it shows that they're getting the right calls. But it's kind of sad when you think about it, because the best publicity when you're an umpire is no publicity. Right. And so you're you're so used to seeing bad calls and so used to seeing, you know, dog shit uh, like like uh, Gal- remember Galarraga? Was it Galarraga? What was that guy's name? The the perfecto. Yeah, it was him. Oh, my God, that poor kid. And then I remember listening to Jim Joyce after the game and he was crying. Um, for those of you who don't know, what was his first name? Does anybody know? The pitcher? Yeah, the pitcher. It's Andres Galarraga. Andres Galarraga was throwing a perfect game. He was 26 outs on the 27th out. Um, he got a ground ball to the first base side. It was thrown to first. Foot on on the bag with the ball in his hand. And it was clearly an out. From every angle, even live, it was an out. And Jim Joyce, the first base umpire, called him safe. And it compl- not only did it take away the perfect game, but it also took away the no-hitter. And it was one of it the saddest. Obviously not safe. It was like one of the. It was one of the saddest calls I think I've ever. This is what ten years ago. I think so. I think it was more than that. And, and to credit Jim Joyce, he was a man about it. He was. He was. He did an interview after the game, which you don't see a lot of umps do interviews, especially after calls like that. And he he was extremely apologetic. I'm. He was crying. And then the next day, they came out. He was still umpiring because it was the series had to go on, right? You got a couple more games against this team with the same crew, and he got booed relentlessly, right? And he just took it. He took it like a man, and it's it's a damn shame because it, it it's to my understanding that Jim Joyce was a pretty good umpire. You don't get, I mean, he umpired for a long time in the major leagues, and that call, which was by no, I'm not exaggerating was fucking terrible, right? It was awful. But that one missed call completely overshadowed a career of good calls. And that's the way it is with officiating. You get no credit when you get the call right, and you get all the shit when you get the call wrong. Yeah. You want to hear some stats? Yeah, I I was really just saying that to buy time so you could get the stats. So go ahead. Oh, yeah. So... This is since the beginning of 2020. So opening day 2020, I know it was a short, shortened season, but you have a full season and a half in there. So Joe West obviously is not here anymore, but he is actually less accurate in that time than Angel Hernandez. Joe West was also nearing the end of his career. And yeah. Joe West is also not a good ump. <laughs> so Angel Hernandez has the lowest umpire accuracy out of umpires who have worked as many games at home plate as he has. So it's kind of embarrassing that he has 48 games and like 
he just really messed up. There are not a lot of umpires that there are lots of like single digits and they're like, oh, bad accuracy, but it's a small sample size. Yeah. Angel Hernandez. Has Nobody's called, as bad as him with as many games. Yeah. He's called a total of 7,523 pitches and has gotten 541 of them wrong. And here's a, here's another thing about being an umpire, right? I think back to um, why is this the second time on this show we're talking about the Chase Utley situation, yeah. <laughs> right? But but look, not that incident, not that particular incident, because their hands were kind of tied in that context. Go forward; it was either till the follow to the following season when the Dodgers came to City Field. It was Syndergaard on the mound, Utley at the plate, and they threw behind Syndergaard. Or, or they didn't throw behind Syndergaard. Syndergaard threw behind Utley. And umpire immediately tossed him out of the game. And it was the right call, right? Like, you have to throw, you have to, as an umpire, calm this situation down, right? But the point I was trying to make in all of this is that, uh, what, was, what was that fucking guy's name? Help me out. Terry Collins? Yeah, Mets manager. Yeah, yeah. Terry Collins was the Met, Met Mets manager, and he was pissed. And he had every right to be pissed. His starting pitcher, Noah Syndergaard, who was still like he was probably coming off of that crazy good rookie season, right? And yeah, good. and he, he threw one pitch and he's out. So Collins is upset. And I mean, the first the first base umpire was mic'd up for the interaction and did such. I don't know the guy's name. Maybe you could, could you get that, Josh, while I'm telling the story, maybe? Yeah. Because I, I want to give the guy credit. But he did such a good job of handling Terry Collins. Like, the home plate umpire was the guy that threw him out, was the guy that threw Syndergaard out. The first base ump came over, came all the way down to home, got in between K- Terry and the home plate ump, and said, Terry, talk to me, talk to me, right? And so he just let Collins yell at him for about five minutes. Right, which is not a good feeling, by the way. Right, Tom Hallian. Tom Hallian. He did a good job that day. I mean, I'm not sure of his status as an umpire, but he did a great job that day. And I mean, I don't know how many times Colin said the word "fucking," but he said "fucking" a lot, and it was usually followed by bullshit. Right, so you're getting yelled and screamed at, and it's the umpire's job not to insert himself into it. It's his job to cool down a situation. And so when the MLB mentions that Angel Hernandez lacks leadership in high-risk situations, that could also be something that they're discussing, right? Because the job of the umpire is to keep both sides from getting into fisticuffs as much as it is to keep that is as much as it is their job to get the calls right. They also have to keep the peace to an extent. Yeah, well, I mean, someone like Angel Hernandez is not going to do a good job when he is not very accurate and still has a job. but. As far as the game that the Brewers won, one nothing, he had a called strike accuracy of 77%. The average for him specifically is 88. So he called 11 of 48 strikes that were balls. And so that's bad by bad standards, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. He, he even in a game that was one nothing, the Brewers won based on his calls, he favored the Brewers. By 0.77 runs, which is huge. It's, it's almost a run. It's almost a, an entire run, which was the difference in the game, by the way. One nothing game. So, you know, I guess if we want to be complete stat cast nerds, right? 
you could say once you factor out umpire bias, the Brewers won by less than half of a run. That's not actually what happened, right? But it just goes to show you that it's Angel Hernandez is dog shit. Now, I did see the videos of Schwarber, and he lost it. I loved it. It was great. I love seeing, you know, it's not good all the time, right? Like, don't give me Carlos Gomez or Milton Bradley, right, where they lose their cool every 10 seconds. But it is so refreshing when you see a guy that you thought had no emotion finally pop. I don't know why. It's just, it is sometimes. Sometimes you need to see it. Yeah, if, if you watch the actual like interaction that they had too, he was talking about it. He was like, dude, you've been getting calls wrong the entire game for both sides. Like he, <laughs> he wasn't even he wasn't even pissed. It wasn't even that specific call. He was just he was just mad in general because he's been shitty the entire night. <laughs> for both teams. It's not even he's not even talking about his team in general. He's just complaining about how shitty of an umpire he is for both teams. That makes Which me takes a lot of effort. Yeah, that makes me think of uh, Aaron Boone. I don't remember the umpire's name that he was yelling at, but he's saying, you're having a piece of shit start to this game. I feel bad for you. <laughs> like, we forget that umpires are human, and, and they can have bad games too. It, it, it's a real thing, right? Like, sometimes you're not seeing the ball well. I think the problem for Hernandez comes from the fact that you can't have so many bad games that it's unbelievable. There are really good umpires. I remember seeing a post back when I was still on Instagram about a guy who had like a 97% call accuracy, which means that out of every 100 pitches, he's calling 97 correctly, right? That's only three bad calls, which when you consider the fact that he's not a robot and he's a human being, that's about as close to human or as close to robot as you could get for a human. Like, I don't know, man. Anyway, that's enough about umpires. And then Joe Girardi, of course, right after the game is like, I want robot umps. They can just relay the call. Obviously, he's going to say that after, but... Yeah, robot ops are coming. Uh, this feels like you don't need the umps. You need the umps to say if it's a strike or a ball, and they still need to be on the field. But yes, there should be robots that can. I mean, you can already see on your phone if it was a strike or a ball. Yeah. So this. Shut up, geese. This looks like this feels like the years leading up to uh, to instant replay being put into the game, right? Where every uh, like. Every time there was a bad call or every time there was a bad, you know, a bad game, right? Or a game ended controversially, virtually, um, everybody's like, oh, replay, replay. Like, this is what it feels like. And then eventually the MLB is going to be like, fine, right? Because the technology is there. Like, it's not like, it's not like we can't do it. Anyway, that's, that's, that's the umpire. That's the umpire discipline podcast right there. Uh, there was other baseball played throughout the week, believe it or not. Uh, did you guys get to watch any games? I've seen a lot of the Mets this week. I mean, they've been on fire. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the Mets at, at length, but is there any games that you guys saw? I can think of one, obviously involving the Mets that I was like, wow, that was a great game of baseball. The Giants, the first game, of the doubleheader, right? Yep. There you go. Yep. We're all thinking the same thing. Giants, Giants, Mets game, one of that doubleheader. Um, I got, I mean, I didn't get to watch a whole lot outside of the two New York teams and then Oakland. Um, but I did catch, and we'll talk about this too. The first two innings of the Cleveland guardians, Chicago white Sox series where Dallas Keiko got freaking rocked. I mean, he got rocked for 10 runs or something like that, or nine runs. And 
it was it was bad. And we'll talk about Chicago here in a minute. But uh, like last week, I've got my biggest risers, my biggest tankers, and I've actually added a new category that we'll talk about. Uh, we've got five teams in my biggest risers category. Three of them are from the AL East. Uh, two of them are teams. No, and then so there's four teams in the American League, two teams in the National League. Um, no bias at all, I swear. But I've got Toronto, uh, New York, Tampa, the Mets. Uh, well, dumbass, you said uh, the Yankees and the Mets are both on here. Um, and then the Rockies. And then I'm not even going to say it. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying their name. The Mariners. It's the fucking Mariners. They're eight and two at home. Fuck you. It's not lasting. But we'll 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 talk more about those dickheads from up north in a minute. But but first we're going to talk about the other dickheads from up north. Toronto Blue Jays. Um, we spoke last week about how they had two big series coming up. And they were going to need to make a statement in order to establish, like, who the hell they are going forward. And they managed to take two out of three in both. They took two out of three in Fenway against Boston. They took two out of three in Houston. And the the two games that they did lose were by one run. So I'm not sure if it's time to give them the American League crown now, but I certainly would call them a playoff team. Pitching has definitely looked better than it did at the very start of the season. Now, if I'm going to make any excuses for them, I'm going to say the Red Sox record against the AL East is horrible. They have three total wins so far. Yeah, but what about Houston? And the Astros came into this series on, I believe, a four- or five-game losing streak. They took one of the games, and it was an extras. So the Blue Jays did did have the advantage of getting these teams on a low, but their offense and pitching definitely made them look like a good team. They came out of those two series, uh, four and two, which – Obviously, you can't complain with by baseball standards. So, yeah, the Blue Jays look really good. I I would say it's too early to say that they're winning the AL East at this point with as competitive as. Oh, it is. I know. I never said that. Oh no! It's either way. <laughs> the The Blue Jays have a lot of competition, but they're showing that they're a team that can definitely compete and should be a playoff team. Yeah, uh, I think they're going to be good. Because they're good at baseball. Uh, next up on the biggest risers list, I've got the Yankees. Not their fans. Well, no, don't say fans. Fan, not that fan. But um, well, lots they of fans threw stuff at them. So yeah, they went five and one over the week. Uh, not in this order, but they swept Cleveland and took two out of three from Detroit. So we had concern. They lost to the series to the Orioles. I yeah, know well, it's before, but yeah. Like, still, will the real New York Yankees please stand up, sort of? But at the same time, you went 5-1 and one this week, and you start you looked a lot better. And keep in mind that Cleveland had just kicked the piss out of uh, Chi-Town. So we were kind of thinking there for a second that Cleveland maybe wasn't going to go 81-81, and 81, right? Which they still are. And uh, even though they're 7-9 right now, goddammit. The Yankees, though, the pitching is what won those games, except one. The offense is really bad. Like, it's really bad for the Yankees, and it shouldn't be. Based on their roster, they should not be hitting how they are, and it's just they're not clicking yet, it seems. Well, I mean, you got so many bats in there that I can't imagine it lasts forever. I mean, Rizzo... There's no power coming from anywhere, and they need the power from Judge Stanton, Donaldson, and Gallo. Rizzo's got five homers. 
but that's not where the power should come from. You can't have one batter carrying the team, and Rizzo has looked great, but the others have not looked. Yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll give you that. Play. Nobody, nobody's picked up. Nobody's picked up besides Rizzo. But I mean, at the same time, you can't tell me that freaking like nobody's hitting. Like Rizzo's got a 181 OPS plus. Aaron Judge has got 154. Like Moneyball, dude, he gets on base. <laughs> like, I, I don't. If they're winning games, I don't see the problem, but I do agree. Joe, is, it's they've allowed very few runs, which is great for them. I think they've allowed the least runs in the American League so far. But the the offense is what worries me. It shouldn't. They are hitting well, but in their stadium, they should be scoring a lot more runs. It's very easy to hit home runs at Yankee Stadium. Well, they were on the road for this week. And they went five and one. So, okay. Well, the, I'm gonna say again, like the no, power they, just needs to come from somewhere because they're not scoring as much. Yeah, as correction. They spent three games in Detroit and then three games in Cleveland. Or no, fuck, three games in Detroit, three games at home against. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Tim. That was disgusting. Tim, that was absolutely gross. I can't believe you did something like that. My uh, bad. Isaiah Kenner for left is batting 300 on the season. Uh, they got to do something about Joey Gallo, though. He's batting 146. Like, at least Higa Shioka, who's batting 143. Or, no, excuse me, wait. So, Gallo's batting 146. Higa Shioka's batting 121. But at least Higa Shioka is a very good defensive catcher. What's your excuse, Joseph Gallo? Also, t- uh, it's. Donaldson has been getting on base more, but he's not really he do, his hitting stats don't make him look that much better than Gallo. It's only because he hits higher in the order. Play Tim LaCastro, two fifty four OPS plus. Next, uh, I have Tampa on here. They got we we when we last talked, uh, Tampa was sliding hard. Uh, I think they were one and five, or, or they they had lost two very key series. Uh, I think they lost to Baltimore. No, who did they lose? They lost to the A's. They lost three out of four to the A's, and then they got, I think, swept by Chicago. So they were sliding, but this week um, they got back on track, went four and two this week, beat, uh, beat up the Cubs, which isn't too impressive, and neither is Boston, but it was important for them to at least get back on track. Is anybody going to disagree with that? Uh, it's They've looked much better, and I the it's surprising to me that the Rays pitching is not actually kind of looked how it should so far. Uh, their bullpen is just not looking nearly as good as it once did. And they don't have big names. The Rays never have big, big names, but it Except hasn't one. really impressed me all that much so far. Uh, they definitely shouldn't be giving up as many runs as they are, even though it's not like an insane amount or anything like that. They should, it should be much lower. Like they should have more than an eight run differential at this point in the season. I know they're only nine and seven, but I would have expected a lot less runs. They should have easier wins on lower scoring games. Two words, three words, actually. Wander fucking Franco. When they signed him to that contract extension over the over over the offseason, everybody was like, "Whoa, that's a little early." Seems like they're buying they're buying high, 
and then the kid got better. <laughs> like, we thought he was good last year. He was like, bitch, please. I'm going to get his numbers up real quick. Um, speaking of guys that we actually talked about him a bit on the on the show before before games started, but uh, Seiya Suzuki. I mean, what a, what a start he's having, right? Yeah, he's off to a great start. I, uh, it, It's impressive that he was able to adapt so quickly. I know it's not, not much to adapt to, but he was definitely playing in a league that was a little easier to be the best in. Yeah, but now he – well, we, we talked about it. Uh, the way I put it was if a guy's hitting that well in AAA, it's a good sign. Maybe not he's, he's, he's not going to be a stud, but it is a good sign. Um, so in freaking 70 games last year, he had 39 RBIs this year through 15, he's already got 10. So he's on track to match that plus one by game 60 this year. Um, he's slowed down a little bit in the last week, but it's still really good. He's batting 350. And he's slugging. And I know that the stats look great still. I just mean he slowed down in the last couple of weeks. I, I don't expect him to be at the top of the league, but he definitely got up to a good start. I think the NL Central is going to figure him out a little bit. The so NL Central? I, I know it's not a good division, but the NL Central is pr- the teams in the NL Central are probably going to figure out Suzuki a little bit and figure out a little no, bit. No, no, I'm talking about Franco. I thought you were you brought up Suzuki. Okay, I did bring I did bring up Suzuki. That's my bad. Uh, we'll get we'll talk. I'll get you Suzuki's numbers in a, in a few seconds. the The numbers that I mentioned were were Wander Franco yeah. last last year in seventy games, thirty nine RBIs. He's on pace to get forty by game sixty this year. Um, he's slugging. He's hitting three fifty, and his OPS is almost a thousand. It's one point shy of a thousand. So, uh. Opinions on Wander Franco, go. Uh, he's, a, he's a great player. I respect any player that's getting on base and getting hits and not just swinging for the fences and striking out. Um, but I tend to like the players that can be good leadoff hitters that have over 300 averages. That's who I want to watch. It's not all about like the excitement of hitting long home runs all the time and getting like the big plays. Franco definitely contributes to the team overall, and he's definitely going to help the Rays. I, I mean, I still think the Rays are going to win the division, uh, but it's yeah, Wander Franco has looked great, and he knows how to get on base. So that's great for the Rays that they have a, a like a, a, a almost a permanent leadoff hitter. I know they've been using Brandon Lau. I think Wander Franco should be the leadoff hitter, but I mean, he's so good. I mean, he is so good. What he had a crazy game against uh, Boston. I forget exactly what his stats were. Yeah, the one with two home runs. Yeah, I forget what his full numbers were from that game. Yeah, well, the Rays lost that game, but uh, the one with two home runs he had. Oh, maybe you're talking about a different one. He only had two hits. It was the two home runs. They were solo home runs. No, 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 no. It was it was bigger than that. So was it earlier? It, it, it had to be bought. It was against Boston. Maybe it was that game. But still, I remember, I remember like hearing like three for four or something like that. <sighs> well, we had a three-hit game somewhere. It wasn't against the Red Sox, though. 
No, yeah, he's he's hitting the shit out of the ball. That's what he does. He's leading all players in wins above replacement at this point in the season. It, it's a very young season, but he's leading the league. Um, he's seventh in, or actually, that's the American League. Sorry, the American League. He's leading the American League. <sighs> um, he's seventh in the American League in batting average. Uh. I just read a really weird stat. He's first in the American League in extra base hits. Um, he's first in the American League in doubles. He is ninth in the American League with on play, on base plus slugging. All of these numbers, just very fancy na- ways of saying that Wander Franco, who is 21 years old in 56 days, he just, 56 days ago, he just became able to buy a beer in the United States. And he rakes. Yeah, and I also want to say, I know I know he's a switch hitter, uh, and it's still early in the season. He's had 17 at-bats against lefties or lefty pitchers, and he has seven hits against them. Jeez. So a 412 average so far against lefties. Yeah. How do you get this guy out? Also, his day de- in his debut. Oh never mind. Um so the Rays got back on track. Wander Franco is really good at baseball. Now I get to listen to you guys cream all over yourself for the next 10 minutes. Uh, another biggest riser, New York Mets. Three out of four from San Francisco, and they whooped them in most games. Uh, you beat the Diamondbacks. You took two out of three from them. Congratulations. You beat up <laughs> You beat up the elementary school kids. You want me to be impressed? But I am impressed by the fact that they were able to take three out of four from San Francisco. And the games that they won... They look damn good in. We talked all of last week about how great the San Francisco bullpen was, and they got four runs across against San Francisco's bullpen in that first game. And then every other game that they won, they didn't need it. The Mets just look good. I mean, there's not, there's really not like a different way to say it. I mean, like, did you guys see last, yesterday? Dude, last night was crazy. I mean, what the fuck is Arenado doing? But still, like... That's the kind of thing that used to happen to the Mets all the time. So it's nice to see the Mets. <laughs> Castillo. <laughs> I remember in 2020, it was like the first series against the Braves. It was extras, maybe uh, two outs. Could have been the last pitch of the game. Uh, Marcelo Zuna had two strikes and he had a home run and they walked it off or something. So remember was, remember that yeah. Riz Hoskins thing where he hit the top of the fence and it wasn't get counted as a home run? You and me watch that live, Josh. Yeah, that was Edwin Diaz. Uh, Ed Luce. He's he's great at home, but yeah, on the road is a different story. Shakier than Michael J. Fox's hands. That was a real joke that I just made. Man, the, the Mets, as so far, the Mets bullpen is really the only thing that's a little bit. Oh, well, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think the starting pitching has been that good. The starters, yeah, that's it's great that they're doing this without the. It was a sarcasm, by the way. No, I'm aware. No, I know, but for the listeners at home, yeah, it without Degrom, and I know Tyler McGill is practically his replacement right now. McGill has been great. Uh, I expected him to be good, but not this good. Even and he's going to come out of the rotation. (laughs) He's going to go to the bullpen when Degrom's healthy. (laughs) When when yeah. Yeah, when the when the shittiest, well, I don't even want to say shittiest, but when the worst pitcher, starting pitcher on your team, is Chris Bassett, 
and he has a 3.0 ERA. Yeah, and he only yeah. has a 3.0 ERA because he had a bad game against San Francisco. He had a point he had an ERA like 0.56 before that. Exactly. And don't talk about Chris Bassett that way. Chris Bassett is the best fucking pitcher in that rotation. Don't at me. Fucking going to take my best starting pitcher and then talk shit about him. Unbelievable. You guys are so ungrateful. Oh, uh, yeah, but tonight against the Cardinals, though, the, the Cardinals have tried to turn Jordan Hicks into almost an opener. But he really only goes like two or three innings. So as long as Bassett can hold the Cardinals, a weak Cardinals offense right now to like two or three runs, the Mets should hopefully be able to take that one. Uh, also, I'm going to clarify with what happened last night. Uh, Mets bullpen blew it. Surprising. Um, May, not the Mets bullpen. Trevor May blew it. Um, gave up two runs in the bottom of the eighth. This game was in St. Louis, so the Mets gave up two runs in the bottom of the eighth. Um, it was 2 nothing. The Mets had a runner on first, and they were down to their final strike. Mark Kane, a grounds ball to third base. Um, actually, it was a runner on... Was it runners on first and second? I think it was runner... It was runners on first and second, I think, maybe. And the Mets had, scored, had put one run across. They had scratched one run across. And... How did they? I don't know. I don't remember. Point being, right, is that two outs down to their final strike. Kana hits a weak dribbler to the left side. Arenado, who is one of the best third basemen in the game, not only offensively but defensively, right, picks up the ball, takes seven steps, which is about five steps too many young third basemen, and fucking skies the ball over, over Paul Goldschmidt, the first baseman's glove. I mean, it wasn't even close. I don't know if Arenado would have even got him. By the time he threw it, Kano was maybe three, four steps away, right? Like, that might have been a pretty close, th- even if he did get it off. He took too many steps. And then when he did finally throw it, he threw it over Goldschmidt's head. It went all the way to the wall. Two runs scored, and the Mets had taken the lead. I. It's unfortunate that an error by Arenado had to happen at the time it did, but you really can't criticize him overall. The Cardinals... No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I, the point I was trying to make was... He's one of the best fielders, especially at third base uh, in baseball, and it's easy to kind of pin the blame on someone for the last play or a specific play near the end of the game when it shouldn't have even come to that situation in the first place if you wanted to win. But yeah, it's on. It's I feel bad for him, but obviously I'm happy the Mets won. Yeah, I was gonna say how lots of other mistakes that the Cardinals made. The reason why I was explaining that whole situation was because I was gonna ask how terrible does Nolan Arenado feel today? (laughs) He's the one that's carried them to many wins. Yeah, but the Cardinals are under 500. Yeah, no, but he doesn't care. He wants to be like he objectively cost the St. Louis Cardinals a win. And he is one of two good hitters on the team right now. Yeah, yeah. It kind of just it happens. Yeah, it know? does. It does happen, but it doesn't mean I feel okay afterwards. Yeah. No, I. I no, I would feel pretty shitty, but I. I mean, I don't. Like he knows that this is not going to be a trend. So well, it's also he, one game out of one sixty-two. If you yeah. if you're looking at it so closely at the beginning of the season, it's going to be hard to be hopeful about your team. The Cardinals still are or should be a very good team. Uh, not like 95 wins, but I would expect them to be competing for the division. So to be, to really be, can't look at a game like this against the Mets who are really hot right now. To be clear, I'm not beating up Nolan Arenado about this, right? 
I just think that if I was Nolan Arenado, I would be beating myself up about this. Like, I, I would take that part. Yeah, I think everyone would, though. Speaking of Nolan Arenado, next team on my list, the Colorado Rockies. Are they for real? Uh, I've got some numbers here for the Rocks this season so far. They're 10-5 and five to start. Here are some numbers from the Colorado Rockies 2022 season. They are eighth in the MLB in OPS. They are second in the MLB in batting average. They are below average in Team ERA, and they have a 3.81 FIP, which is fielding independent pitching. You read fielding independent pitching the same way that you read ERA, which means that it's like golf. You want a lower FIP, and that 3.81 mark is not very good. Now, hitting in Coors Field has always been a pitch. It has always been a pinball machine, um, because of the high altitude. Even with the humid, what do they call it, humidor? Yeah. Right. Or yeah, humidor, so. humidor, right? But like, even with the humidor, right? It's going to be difficult to pitch in that stadium. You mean so the humidity? No, they oh, Tim no, they, Tim they literally put the balls in like a a microwave, basically. Oh no, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, and because of the high altitude, you're never going to be able to pitch well with your breaking stuff. It's just not going to work. So the Rockies always have a home field advantage in that regard, but they also have the disadvantage of their pitchers also have to throw in those conditions. Um, so it's long been a, a trend with the Colorado Rockies that they have great hitting and not so great fielding. Um, their road and home splits to this point weren't noticeable enough for me to write them down. They've got a couple hitters that are performing incredibly well. Uh, the four that I have here are CJ Crone, Randall Gritchick, Charlie Back, Blackman, and Connor Joe. Josh, yes. do you have anything to All contribute? Right. I would also put Ryan McMahon on the list, even if his stats may not show it. Uh, but the team all around, yes, the hitting is really good right now, uh, but they are relying a lot on power. They do have a lot of hits. I feel like they're not stringing them together for as many runs as they could be, as they could be scoring. But overall, hitting looks good. I did like their lineup. Chris Bryant hasn't even really been doing much yet. And the lineup looks good. They have a lot of young players that actually can help them in the future, assuming they run their team accordingly. They won't. But the the pitching is not nearly as bad as a lot of people think it is. Just like you, you think Rockies and it's just like, oh, they're not a good team. They have what it takes to be a good team. It's But they can't fully put it together and they don't make, make the trades or signings necessary to give them exactly what they need. So I feel like they have good players. They don't really make the moves they need to to fill in the holes they have in that team. The pitching overall, I know it's looked pretty good so far, but um, Kyle Freeland, Herman Marquez, Austin Gomber, Antonio Senzatella, I'm really not going to talk about Chad Cool, who they got from the Pirates, but it's, it's not a bad rotation. Two righties, two lefties. They extended, I think, Freeland and who I, I forget if it was Marquez or Senzatella. And Gomber's young. The pitching is good. If they get strikeout pitchers, then you really don't have to worry about cores. And I feel like the Rockies are not so out of it as people think. Chad, not a lost team. Chad Cool, by the way, has an ERA of 1.10 through three starts. No other Rockies starter has an ERA below four. It's worth noting. Again, the stats this early in the season are not going to show it. A lot of those pitchers do have talent. It's unfortunate 
they're playing for the Rockies because, yes, their numbers are a little inflated by cores. You get strikeout pitchers, and these pitchers are capable of striking. I mean, every pitcher is capable. They are more capable of striking batters out. But, again, yeah, you're going to have some trouble. They've, uh, I mean, Cool has the advantage of facing the Rangers, Phillies, and Tigers. I don't think you're going to have so much trouble striking a lot of the, those, those teams strike out. It's really not so hard to give up like no hits and no, I and mean, there's a reason he was able to pitch against them and two hits allowed two hits against the Rangers, two against the Phillies, four against the Tigers. It's not really hard to pitch against those teams. And I know some of the, I mean, obviously a lot of pitchers in those rotations face the same teams, but again, it's too early to tell, I would say. They're definitely not finishing the top three in this division. I'd be very surprised. But they're not nearly as bad of a team as people think they are just off the top of their head. I don't think it's sustainable. Sustainable. I think that they've been benefiting from a lot of guys getting hot at the right times. I don't think that I don't think that the roster itself has enough to go into the playoffs. But maybe 70 wins. Um, Crone, Grichuk, and McMahon have the power they need. Joe gets on bait, or Connor Joe gets on bait. Yeah, that's gonna have to that. <laughs> and Brendan Rogers, I I really like Brendan Rogers, and I know he has a point. I I also like Brendan Rogers, <laughs> but he, yeah. Marcy, Elias, your father yes, died a week ago. Get over it and get on the high dive. <laughs> Try me, bitch. <laughs> I'm just imagine that, imagining that guy playing for the Colorado Rockies. I'm sorry, Brandon Rogers. You're you're not even the most famous Brandon Rogers. You're the second most famous brand. It's like Isaiah Thomas, like the like the current Isaiah Thomas. Like it, there's already a legendary Isaiah Thomas, and then the new Isaiah Thomas pulls up, and he's not even the best Isaiah Thomas. Anyway, glad my jokes made everybody laugh. Seattle. Fuck them. Somebody else talk about them and how they won three straight. Uh, well, I mean, the Royals are not so much of a threat, I would say. Yeah, and exactly. At this point, the Royal, in the AL Central, and I know we're going to talk about the White Sox, but the Royals are the one team where I'm confident out of those five teams, the Royals are not going anywhere, but probably last. And I expected this to happen, but the Royals went a really long time not scoring like above three runs in a game or something like that. Or maybe they did it once, but they went on a, a run where they were really just not scoring and they don't have the pitching to make up for it. So the Mariners had that advantage. Uh, I know one game was clean from the Mariners where they only let the Royals score one. Uh, and then they had their 13 to seven games. So that's just a lot of hitting, but specifically for the Mariners, I want to say tie France who I really like, is doing amazing. Didn't he go to Buffalo? week, he hit 13 and 26 at-bats. Didn't didn't, uh, Ty France go to Buffalo? Somebody on that Mariners team went to Buffalo. I'm not Nope, not Ty France. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Who was it then? Hold on. It was last year, maybe. But I assumed that he was still on the team. All right. You, oh, well, I can tell you something. Jonah Heim grew up around here. He went to a high school right in, like, outside of UBC. Yeah, maybe that's who I'm talking about. Uh, 
Oh, God, this is going to kill me. All right, whatever. Um, It's not Jared. It's not any of these guys. Let's just carry on. Um, Yeah, so those are the big winners for the week. Um, I didn't want to use biggest losers because that's probably copyrighted at this point. I mean, honestly, I would put I would put the twins in the same category, but I no, think- they're in my they're in my third category. You'll you'll see, um, you'll you'll see the tw- the 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 T's are in my uh, there's no there's no winning in Minnesota, so they're the T's. Um, they're in my third category, fittingly titled "What the fuck." Um, but the biggest tankers, what the fuck is reserve? What everything died. Hold on. Hello. Hi. 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 Um, what the fuck is reserved for things that make no sense? Um, tankers is reserved for teams that just had a dog shit week. Um, first team on this list. Well, we'll just establish the teams on the list. Boston, the San Diego Padres, Detroit Tigers, Chicago White Sox, and Houston Astros. Um, Boston just failed to win big games against division rivals this week. Yeah, they they need those. They're gonna need those come uh, September. They're gonna need them. It's a tight division. You got to be able to beat teams. You got to you got to be able to beat up on your neighbors, and they weren't able to beat up on their neighbors. And they're just not even like they should be hitting lots of home runs. They're just not they're like they have no power all of a sudden. And the beginning of the season looked promising, pr- more promising than it should, even with their pitching situation. But like. I know Devers hit three home runs already on the season. He's really the only one, and it's not like he's doing all that special. Like, he's he was amazing last season. He's a big part of what got them to the playoffs. But then you have Alex Verdugo, who someone has three home runs. He's been fine, but he should not be performing better than, like, someone like Xander Bogarts, who has been hitting but very inconsistent. His stats are not going to show how inconsistent he is. But – um. Yeah, I don't exactly know what's going on. Yeah, I, I mean, there. I mean, yeah, Bogarts has a three forty four average, which is amazing, but he doesn't get like he has a few big games that really inflate that, and then it's kind of eh, from there. Yeah, so I think that Boston this week, if if this week is any indication, which things can change, things can change very quickly in the major leagues. Tim, if you're trying to talk right now, it's not going well. No, sorry, I had a call. Somebody, somebody's mic was cutting out to hell and back. Might have been Josh. Oh, I wasn't oh. talking. I don't know. Oh, then something, something was dying. Oh, but uh, if this, what the hell? Okay, Mike's being weird. If this, uh, if this week is any indication, which things can change very quickly in the major leagues, so. Keep that in mind. But if this if this week is a sign of things to come, then Boston's going to be finishing just ahead of Baltimore, and maybe not even making the playoffs. Um, I, they're not going to be a ninety loss team. The Orioles are going to be way down there. But... No, I said they'd be ahead of Baltimore. Oh no, I thought you. All right, how you said it made me think you implied that they said be closer in, to I the said Orioles. It, no, I think they'd be closer to the Orioles than they would be to somebody like the Yankees, though. Oh, then that's going to be a lot of loss. No, I didn't say like, okay. What I'm trying to say is that they're not going to be very good. Okay, they're not going to match the success of last year. Jeez, all right, I get it. I suck at words. Next, San Diego. My note here says solidify their little brother status in the NL West. 
got absolutely ass blasted by the Dodgers, which to be fair, a lot of people can say that, but you guys are supposed to be different. I don't care that you didn't have tattoos. I'm sick of hearing excuses. I heard excuses last year. I mean, in, so far into the season, they really couldn't beat the Giants and they couldn't beat the Dodgers. Outside so, of that, they had easy matchups, which makes their record. Like, the Reds was an easy sweep. You got the Braves at a really good time. And, of course, they started the season with the Diamondbacks, and they still managed to lose one of those games. So, I mean, I know the Mets lost the Diamondbacks, too, but that happens. Uh, the Padres, I don't know. The pitching has not been there, and their offense hasn't been all that exciting outside of a couple of players. but. Yeah, uh, you need to beat the Dodgers and Giants, and they're not really doing that. And the times they did was, I think, both times by a run. Yeah, and, and I mean, they gave up like 10-plus runs to the Dodgers in two games this weekend. So they got they got some figuring out. Um, I know that I did put Detroit on the biggest tankers list, but quick round of applause for Miguel Cabrera on getting intentionally walked in his last opportunity of the series to get a 3,000th hit. Uh, way to go, Yankees. But seriously, congrats to Miguel Cabrera on getting 3,000 hits. I hated your guts when I was like 12, but I really don't care anymore. Good job. Uh, I'm sorry. Actually, you did get a ring, but um, so I'm not sorry at all. Congratulations getting into Cooperstown and ruining my life in 2012. What a dude. <sighs> what a guy. What a dude. What a fucking guy. Next. Uh, I mean... Detroit just stinks. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. Like, I know, I know that putting them on this list might be a little bit mean, but there were some hopes about them being potentially good. And this time last week, they were only one game below 500. So, um, going two and four in their last six. And keep in mind, they got the Yankees, who had just lost to Baltimore. Um, so they had an opportunity to show us something this week. They didn't. So uh looks like it's going to be another one of those rebuilding years in Detroit. Uh, next, let's talk about the big one. And by big one, I mean big one. Chicago White Sox lost six in a row this week to Cleveland and fucking Minnesota. The T's. Seven losses in a row now. Is it seven in a row? Seven in a row, yeah. I only, I only counted six, so shit. Uh, well, during the last... Uh, all my stats are for the last six. Oops. Um, well, during their last six, they gave up 24 more runs than they scored. They're giving up six runs a game, only scoring two per game. Hendricks has not been as advertised. This is an interesting statistic to start the year. They're four and two at home, but they're two and seven on the road. So I'll pose the question to each of you. How much should we read into this? Is this, is this like a brutal slide that's going to kickstart something much bigger or is this just a fluke? This, to me, the White Sox's biggest concern is injuries, not even their play right now. They are the most injured team, and through the past two seasons, they have been the most injury-prone team. Right now, it's the season has barely started, and Liam Hendricks is day-to-day, even though he hasn't been great. Luis Robert is day-to-day. Joe Kelly, IL, Yohan Moncada, Eloy Jimenez is going to be out for a few months now. Lance Lynn injured, Crochet, I believe, is having Tommy John, so he's done for the season. It doesn't look good for them health-wise, and hitting, it doesn't look good either. The pitching should be there, especially the bullpen, so I'm really not concerned about that long-term, but the hitting needs to do something. You think they it, are really yeah. not. The bullpen they will come back around. better against a lot of their opponents. Um. 
Yeah, so I think that this is really bad for Chicago. No shit, but like, I I just I don't know. I mean, if it was any other team, right? If this if this was a winning organization, right, like the Dodgers, and they lost six in a row, I would be completely fine right now. I'd be like, yeah, this is just a blip in the radar. This is uh, this is radio static. Like, don't read too much into this. But what has Chicago done? They've won one playoff series. They beat the uh, Astros in the 2005 World Series. That's what they've done in the last, like, 20 years. And I know I'm an Oakland fan, so I shouldn't be saying shit, but, like, seriously, at least we made the playoffs sometimes. This isn't exactly... It's unfortunate with their recent success. They really should have a good team, especially with how easy their division is. But, yeah, injuries... The the amount of injuries is going to hurt them, especially, but they do need to hit. They need to screw it on straight really quickly. Robert Jimenez, I mean, forget Jimenez for now, but Robert hopefully is okay. I know he wasn't looking great so far, but Jose Abreu has the power. He's been getting on base. Tim Anderson's looked good besides his uh, flipping the bird on the fans. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And young players, Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets, who I actually mentioned, like, I think a few episodes ago, but they've looked good. They've looked uh, Vaughn really good. Sheets has been getting on base. Yasmani Grandal, someone who is very good at getting on base, has a 188 on base percentage right now and a 136 batting average. He has contributed af- absolutely nothing practically besides it's like one home run, and that was like in the first or second game of the season. They got to play better on the road. I mean, two and seven on the road. I know that you don't always play great on the road, right? Um, Barry Trotz, head coach of the Islanders, uh, it might have been him, but somebody told me 500 on the road is good. Right, five hundred on the road is completely acceptable, but you got to win your games at home. And four and two at home is fine, but two and seven on the road is not acceptable. So I don't know how you go about changing that. Um, Tony Larusa is a Hall of Fame manager. He's also a fossil from a past era of baseball that believes in unwritten rules and bullshit. Um, figure it the fuck out, Tony, because the walls are starting to close in a little bit if you're a White Sox fan. Um. And finally, we're not going to spend much time talking about this because we got my new favorite segment. Uh, well, not segment, but my new favorite category. Um, Houston is on my biggest tankers list. They lost. They, you could say everything that we said about Boston. You could say about Houston. Lost yeah. key. Lost key games against good teams. Lost two out of three to L.A. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and Los Angeles, and then they lost two out of three to Toronto, who are a good team in fairness. But Houston was in the American League Championship Series last year, in the World Series last year. So. You got really close to continuing their losing streak. They barely beat the Blue Jays. Yeah, so I mean, you just you've just failed to beat quality opponents to this point in the season, and losing winnable games against division rivals will bite you in the ass. Um, the Toronto series, not so much, but again, Astros made the World Series last year. You guys are some. We had them pegged as like a shoe in for AL or AL West crown. And now we're not even sure of that. Now all of a sudden the AL West is wide open, right? They're also just not hitting. I mean, like besides that one game against uh, Toronto where they, they beat them like eight to seven, like they're, they're just, they're just not scoring runs. It's not so easy when you can't see, or you don't know what pitch is coming. You scumbag. Sorry. That Yankees letter is getting released this week, by the way, we're not talking about that until, um, until... uh, it released. There's nothing of substance in it. Oh, really? No reason. Yeah, it, you would have heard about it by now if. It was oh, okay. Not. 
they, every well, team was doing what they were doing. It's just normal baseball it, stuff. Okay, so it was just the MLB being like, it was just like the MLB being like, hey, Yankees, cut the shit. Yeah, I mean, technically they were doing something they weren't supposed to, but every team does it. It's They weren't relaying pitches in real time. That's not how it... Yeah, well, team steal signs. It was the electronic part that was scummy. Yeah, and the, the problem with the Yankees, and it was identified for them, but it was a league-wide thing, using the replay room to interpret signs and tell your base runners. There was no way they were telling their batters what was coming. So, yeah, not all that. So did, and also, so did Houston just, like, run the red light then? You know, I you think know. they thought maybe they could get away with it, and it didn't yeah, work but out. Like, I'd imagine that that notification was popped to pretty much every MLB team. And then so what? Did the Astros just, like, ignore it? As soon as MLB was aware, they issued uh, warnings and uh, made sure all the teams knew what the standards were, at least at the end of 20, was it end of 2017 and 2018, maybe. But, of course, they went deeper on the whole Astros thing. Uh, no team was doing what they were doing. Yeah. But every team was stealing signs to a capacity. It's just part of baseball. Okay. So Houston fans, shut up. You, you weren't being, you weren't being made an example of you were doing worse shit. Okay. Carry on Uh, new segment. What the fuck? I got three teams in the, what the fuck segment. And there two of them are from the AOS. And the other, the other one is Minnesota, the angels, Oakland, Minnesota, LA. What the fuck? Take two out of three from Houston, then lose two out of three to Baltimore at home. What the fuck? Why? Yeah, I. Yeah. The Orioles are in, offense is very inconsistent, even though it has a lot of potential. So I really don't know why the Angels pitching could not hold them. Syndergaard still had a decent start, but again, it's the, there's no excuse. You lost two out of three to fucking Baltimore. <laughs> Well, yeah, they they allowed the Orioles to score five, five, and six runs. They won the game where the Orioles scored, scored six runs. But of course the they two did. games where the Orioles won, they lost by two and one. And I, I really don't know what's up with the Orioles' offense because, again, I, I keep saying the stats won't show up, but the stats won't because it's this early in the season. The Orioles' offense is better than it looks uh, by the stats, a lot better. But it's just weird how inconsistent the Orioles are with getting like shut out and then winning these games. They shouldn't makes it very hard to figure out exactly what's going on with that team because pitching is obviously not there for the Orioles. But they have a lot of talent and Cedric Mullins, who is not hitting well, but is somehow contributing at good times. Uh, and then you have some they've been hitting no home runs. They're just stringing together hits at the right time. So they can get, they can get away with a game with scoring. So in the, the game where they beat the Angels 5-4, they had six hits, and the Angels committed two errors, so did the Orioles. And the Orioles took advantage. They got walked six times? No. Out of curiosity, how many hits did the Angels have? They say that again? How many hits did the Angels have in that game? That game, uh, I think also six. So okay. seven, maybe. But yeah. Even the six, yeah. So that's the fun part of the, the what-the-fuck segment, is that there's really no rational explanation for this stuff. And that's the whole fun of it is that like the, this is reserved for the teams that made absolutely no sense this week. And the angels made no sense. They had the biggest statement that they've made in a, in a little while here by beating the Astros two out of three in Houston. Right. 
And then they lose two out of three to Baltimore, and we're in the exact same spot we were last week. And I'd add also the game they won 7-6. They had a 6-0 lead. They had six hits in that game, scored seven runs. Orioles had nine hits and scored six. They only won because Joe Adele had a grand slam in the first inning, and they took a really early lead. They yeah, let the Orioles almost come back though. They blew they they blew the lead eventually. It was six six at a point. Oh yeah, they um, did let them come back, but yes. Uh, next up, Oakland. Okay, they had a pretty easy week in terms of schedule, and they still lost two out of three to Texas. They only scored three runs in the whole series at home. <laughs> I understand that Oakland Coliseum isn't much of a home right now, getting maybe three thousand, four thousand people per game, but still. You guys couldn't hit water if you fell out of a boat. You guys are like me in high school. You cannot score. Jesus Christ. I mean, want to talk about an identity crisis. These motherfuckers went and got my hopes up, and then we lost two out of three to the Rangers. Yeah, they just kind of sucked. I mean, realistically, to start the season, like they weren't as bad as I thought they would be. And the games were boring, Tim. I mean, I watched them all. They all stunk. You're talking about the the Oakland games? The, sorry, yeah, the, the Rangers games? The Oakland, yeah, the Oakland versus uh, Rangers games. Yeah, I mean, they looking looking at the scores, they don't look very exciting. The five one game was the most exciting for the other team, and then the next two games were just they traded two nothing victories. Wowie, I mean, it's what a good. St- it's just the hitting. Yeah, what a stinker though. Oh my god, Pache is a dog though. Pache, Pache is a dog. We'll talk more about Oakland in a second. Minnesota lost. Yeah, yeah, Seth Brown needs to get. He he's hitting great with runners in scoring position though. Yeah, uh, it's again, just stats. It's, I keep saying, but the stats won't show it this early in the season. So no, they won't get away with doing well without having good looking batting average or home run number, whatever it is. Uh, and then last, certainly not least, well, actually, certainly least, the Minnesota Tees lost two out of three to the Kansas City Royals, and still, when they woke up this morning, were on top of the AL Central at eight and eight. What? They got a Jeff Fisher special, the 8-8, eight and eight, and they fucking... They lost their series this week. Well, they beat up on the White Sox. But I... Wins, my dude. This time last week, they were in last. So... Yeah. I mean, you look at the rest of the division, though. Like the Guardians are hovering around eight and eight, which again is exactly yeah. what we expect. The whole division's under five hundred. I know. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's it's so funny though because you look at it. I I like read it. That's why they're in what the fuck and not biggest risers is because they didn't change. Everybody else did. The Twins are pretty much stayed exactly the same. They're playing pretty much the exact same brand of baseball. That is the best way to say yeah. it. Yeah, they. Did Everybody else died. <laughs> Although the one thing though is Byron Buxton was injured for a little while, but he's as long as Buxton is healthy, he's like in the running for MVP. I I, I just what the, this time next week Minnesota will not be at the top of the AL Central. I'm just putting that out there. No. Okay, so we got some yeah, series that the Royals are in last and are only two games behind. So obviously the Twins probably won't be up there. Uh, it yeah. only takes one loss for the entire division machine. Exactly. Um, so series to watch for this week. Now I had made this on Monday. So some of these games have already been played. IE, I have the Mets in St. Louis, uh, two teams that may meet in the playoffs. Um, these teams both look like they're going to win their division. 
Mets certainly, St. Louis certainly. Um, should be a good brand of baseball, and you got a good brand of baseball yesterday. It was a great game, even though if you could have not watched the first eight innings, showed up in the ninth and gotten pretty much everything you needed. But seriously, I think tonight's game will be much better. Um, two very good teams, very good at baseball. Who goes tonight? Is it Bassett tonight? Yeah, it's Bassett versus Hicks. We talked about that, right? It's a yeah, bullpen game for St. Louis. Uh, Hicks throws gas. Start scoring runs though, or it's not really gonna. Yeah, matter. Hicks Hicks throws gas. Chris Bassett's an athletic, so you know he's a stud. Um, should be a good another two games, right? I've got Cleveland at L.A., the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and really this is on the list because it's the Guardian Angels. Oh, uh, huh. Guardian Angels. Say yeah, but seriously, these two teams have been woefully inconsistent. <laughs> I mean, the Cleveland freaking murked Chicago and then got swept by the Yankees. The and Guardians then, are on a four-game losing streak and they're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Angels are 7-3 and three in their last 10. So it's the opposite here. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of this because I could easily see the roles reverse again. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying is that both of these teams have been so confusing to start the season that I want to see who comes out of this one alive. And also, it's the Guardian Angels, right? Like, it, even if both of these teams were two and ten, it still would have been on the list because of the Guardian Angels. Next, uh, Seattle at Tampa Bay. This is going to be a big series for one of these teams. Tampa Bay needs to get their swagger back. Seattle needs to stay on top. Anybody disagree with that? No, that's exactly the situation. I'm interested. In- so the pitching matchup. Uh, well, Logan Gilbert's going today. I feel like the Mariners should have this one. The Rays have been very hard to predict for, but the last game of the series, Flexin against Kluber, I feel like is a very even game for that those two teams. Uh, Tampa Bay is going to win two out of three because it's Seattle. Um, I'm 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 dying on that hill. I don't care. They could win 115 games again. Dying on that hill. Um. Next up, and this is definitely not biased at all, Oakland at San Francisco. This is not so much important due to the matchup, but it's more important due to the narrative for each of these individual teams. We're still trying to figure out what the fuck Oakland even is. Like, we're, we're, still, we're tr- still trying to figure out what they are moving forward, like how serious should we be taking them. And San Francisco is just trying to, like, heal after getting fucked up by the Mets. Uh, so... It's going to be interesting, actually, because the A's have their best or two of their really good performers pitching. Uh, and they're not big names, but Dalton Jeffries. and yep. uh, he's good. And Paul Blackburn, whose stats look amazing so far. They're not going to win today because Rodon's pitching, but tomorrow the Giants pitcher's still undecided. I don't know if they're going for a bullpen game here or not, but the A's definitely have an advantage if they can keep the Giants from scoring, which hasn't been so hard. The Nationals are really bad, so the Giants have looked good, but the hitting is not completely there for San Francisco right now. Next, uh, Chicago Cubs at Atlanta. This is really a series on here because Atlanta is not doing so well to start this season, Um, and Chicago has been much better than we thought they were going to be, and also – Go get your say Suzuki while you can. If you can tune into that game, watch him play baseball because I haven't gotten an opportunity to do it yet, but the numbers don't lie. Finally, 
and then we'll get the hell out of here. Uh, the Angels at the White Sox. And my note here, my note says White Sox need to get their shit together. That's all my note says. <laughs> so, uh, there you go. White Sox, get your shit together. You know what else is going to be a good series? What? Astros, Blue Jays. Yeah, well, I at the same time, though, I, I put that one on the list last week. So I, I didn't want to put that one on the list this week. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, no, I get it. I think this has a little bit more of an impact just because of where the Astros are at right now because they don't know what the, like, the, I, I think, I, I think they could use this weekend to help make a statement, um, help come back a little bit. But, like, if they if they fall behind in the series, then they're, they're kind of fucked. Yeah, this, I mean, what what's their schedule look like moving forward? Um, uh, who, who do they, Josh, my, my internet's crap. Like, look through Josh. Josh Evans, evaluator of talent in the Major League Baseball. Uh, could you tell me if the Houston Astros have a weak or a strong schedule in the near future? Yes, I can. Uh, they should not be having trouble with the Rangers, although the Rangers have looked a little bit better. Astros are not hitting, so the Rangers pitching might be able to hold them off. Blue Jays is going to be tough again, assuming they're still losing. So in I'm Toronto say, this time, by the way. Yeah, depending on... Their performance against the Rangers will determine how close or how good the matchup will be between the Astros and Blue Jays again. The Astros are not – I mean, they're going to face the Mariners in a three-game series after that, which I think is the first meeting between them of the season. Uh, I think that's next week, though, right? Yeah, that's next week. Okay, because so that, that's – It's not so easy for them. That's going to be uh, – that that's going to be on the list next week, by the way. Regardless of what happens this week, like even if Houston loses six games this week, still going to be on the list because Seattle is going to have to come out and show everybody who daddy is in that division. And they won't. But like, you know, if you if you showed me this Astros schedule for the coming month and it was the Astros from last season, I would have said that this would be so easy for them. But it it's not a guarantee anymore. It's not even like the best teams they're facing. And it doesn't look all that promising they're, I would they're, say. they're drowning man they really are they got they need a life raft mm-hmm. all right well that was the plate discipline podcast go get yourself a life raft and tune in next week um anybody got anything to say before we dip let's go Mets. let's go Mets. let's go let's uh all my homies hate carlos rodon <laughs>